Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and you can become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. Uh, you can support the show with the Zelle app by sending a donation to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. In addition, you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month by going to Patreon.GreatDetectives.net. And I want to thank Brad for becoming our latest uh, Patreon supporter at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Crime Photographer. The original air date is uh, September the 19th of 1946, and this one is The Duke of Skid Row. Crime Photographer! Hello, Pete. Oh. But say, you know, <laughs> I was asking a guy in here the other night to name me one of the oldest industries in America, beginning with the letter G. I can see what you were leading up to. Yeah, but you know, he's been listening to our program, and he says right away, glass making. Right, Ethelbert, it is glass making. And one of the oldest institutions in the industry is Anchor Hawking, the world's largest makers of household glass. Prime Photographer, brought to you by Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor glass containers, anchor caps and closures. All products of Anchor Hawking, a great name in glass. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, The Duke of Skid Row. Midnight. A dingy, poverty-stricken street of gloomy tenements and cheap lodging houses. Above the uninviting door of one of these latter places swings a dimly lighted sign that identifies the Davis Hotel, one dollar per night. A taxi cab stops in front, and a tall, very thin man alights from it. His clothes are shabby, but clean and well-fitting. In one eye is a monocle, and his hand a jaunty walking stick. How much do I owe you, please? The mater says two seventy. It is five dollars. Keep the change. Huh? Say, thanks. Good night. Hey. Yes. You know, cabs ain't easy to find in this part of town. Do you want me to wait for you? No. I should not be going out again tonight. Meaning you live in that flea bank? You may draw your own conclusion about my residence in the Davis Hotel. Oh, no offense, mister. Thanks again and good night. 
Good night. Hello, Duke. Good evening, Davis. I stand at the window when you get out of that cab. What's the big idea? I do not understand. Cab rides cost dough. You owe me over a week's rent. Oh, that little matter. The sum of my indebtedness to you is uh, how much? Five bucks for last week, and you're two days into this one. Here is twenty dollars. Hey, where'd you get that kind of dough? You may keep the change. Huh? I'm leaving this place tomorrow morning. Maybe? For good. Give me the key to my room, please. Ah, sure, Duke. Where are you going from here? My name is not Duke. It is Smythe. Mr. Smythe. I am going to live like a gentleman again. Good night. Night, Mr. Smythe. Uh, Mr. Davis. Yeah? I do not wish to be disturbed tonight. Again, good night. Huh. Twenty bucks he gives me. More than he asked me for the lend of a nickel. I can't figure that guy out. Well, gents, what can I do for you? A man came into this place just now. A man that wore a monocle and carried a walking stick. Uh, what about it? We saw him go upstairs. So he must be a guest of this uh, hotel. Who are you guys? We will ask the questions and give the answers. Hey, what's the idea? We will not harm you if you do as you are told. You will take us to the room of that man with the monocle. Okay, okay. okay. And be very quiet. Yeah. His room's on the next floor, up them stairs. You first, just ahead of us. Sure. What, uh, what you two gents want with the Duke? The Duke? Is that what he calls himself? That's what we call him around here. It's just a gag. I don't know nothing about him, gents. He ain't no pal of mine. I don't know nothing about the dough he had tonight, neither. Dough? What do you mean by that? Well, that's what you hear about, ain't it? The rest of the money he got someplace. This man you call Duke had money tonight? I only saw 20 boxes, but he gave me the idea. Yes, never mind. Take us to his room and get him to open the door. He must think you are alone. If you wish to live, my friend, do not let him know that anyone is with you. I hear it, I hear it. Uh, there's his door. Knock. Who is there? It's uh, Davis, Duke. What do you want? I, uh, I got to talk to you, man. I told you I do not want to be disturbed. Um, it's bad personal matter, Duke. Open the door. Oh, very well. Vigate, Anton. Oh, no, be spectacles. You. Okay. Please. Please, You no. are going with us, Anton. No, no, I beg. And you will go quietly. Don't. Don't. Oh. You slugged him with that gun. Quiet, innkeeper. It was necessary. Now, for you, innkeeper, here is one hundred dollars. See note for me? Put it in your pocket. Oh, thanks. It is in payment for your services and for what we are now compelled to do. Well, what do you mean by that? This. <coughs> well, Captain Logan, that conk on the head was the last thing I knew till I come to. I got myself downstairs and saw you cop. You came to in here, Davis? Yeah, here in Duke's room. They slugged him and me. Duke and them two guys were gone. Also, the Duke's suitcase and everything he had in this room. Uh, Just like I told the precincts, cops would get here ahead of you, Captain. Davis, 
What name was the Duke registered under here? Uh, Smith, John Smith. Mm. Now, tell me all you know about this Duke, Davis. Well, he checked in about two months ago. I figured him for one of them European refugees who run out of dough. During the last couple of weeks, he ran completely out of it. He hung me up for his room and getting his only meals at the mission soup kitchen. You say he acted like a guy who once had plenty. Yeah, not just plenty dough. He acted like a duke in the movies. That's how we gave him his name. He used big words and spoke a lot of languages. Well, what nationality do you think he was? Uh, no one could dope that. He never said. You're going to be a big help to me. Now, the two men who came here for him were foreigners, you say? Well, they give out in a foreign language a couple of times, but I didn't get any of it. I only, I only parley good American. Well, come on down to headquarters with me. You may find their pictures in our files. Okay. You take charge here, Sergeant. Yes, Captain. Hey, what's that? Just getting a picture of you, mister. You too, Logan. Oh, so you're here, Casey. Yeah. Annie and I have been getting the yarn from the precinct cops who got here first. We were just going to start upstairs for a get-together with you. You learned anything new, Captain? If you got the story from the precinct guys, Miss Williams, you got all of it. Oh, but what do you think about it? How can I know what to think yet? I haven't anything to work on. I won't have until I can learn more about this duke and the guys who took him out of here. Uh, their descriptions have already gone out. Naturally. The precinct guys got that on the radio and teletypes first thing. I'm taking Davis to headquarters now to look at pictures. Uh, wait, Captain, that's, that's my fault. The sergeant will handle it, Davis. Hello? Miss Williams and I will follow your car what? to headquarters, Logan. Okay, Casey. Yeah. Now, let's go. Uh, Captain, wait. What is it, Sergeant? Second precinct on the phone, sir. One of their men has found the Duke. Found the Duke? Well, the description fits all right, and the guy is dead. I'll talk to second precinct. Hello, Captain Logan speaking. Where is the body found? Hey, underneath the dock. Casey. This is getting interesting, Annie. Say that again. He'd been tortured before he was hanged, huh? Very interesting, Casey. I'll be right over. Goodbye. Seems you've just learned more about the Duke and the guys who snatched him, Logan. Yeah. Or have I? Fire King Oven Glass makes housework so much easier. Cuts dishwashing time, for example, by a full two-thirds. And makes successful cooking practically a certainty. In fact... Fire King has so many points to recommend it that sometimes we overlook one of the most important facts about it, and that is cost. Fire King casseroles and baking dishes, Fire King oven glass pie plates and mixing bowls, and all the other Fire King oven glass dishes you will find at your favorite chain, variety, hardware, and department store are almost unbelievably low in cost. And each piece is guaranteed for a full two years against oven breakage. Ask for Fire King Oven Glass by name. It's a product of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. Well, come into my office. Thanks, Captain. You better sit down, Annie. They look a little unsteady. I am. What that poor guy must have gone through before they strung him up. A sweet pair of killers did that job. And I still haven't a single lead to him. Logan, you sent Davis down here to look at pictures. Davis didn't find the kidnapper's pictures or one of the Duke either. Of course, your guys are trying to find the cab driver who dropped the Duke at his hotel tonight. Sure, they've been checking the hack stand since Davis told his story, but 
That'll probably take some time. Well, that driver can tell you where the Duke got into his cab, which may help you find out where he got his sudden wealth tonight. That money must have been the motive for the murder. Come in. We found that cab driver, Captain. The one who drove that Duke guy to Skid Row tonight. Oh, that's fast work, boys. Bring him in. Yes, sir. In here, fella. Okay. My name's Pinkus, Captain. Milton Pinkus. Hack license 100208. Sit down, Pinkus. Thanks. Your cops have told me what you want to know, so I won't waste your time or mine. The skinny guy with the cane and the one-window eyeglass I took to that joint on Skid Row, I picked him up on a call. A telephone call? That's right, a phone call which tells me to come to 300 Summit Road, which is Mr. Matthew Brinsley's residence. Huh? What? Matthew Brinsley? Yes, sir. So I go there, rings the doorbell, the butler says to wait a minute, and then the skinny guy with the eyeglass comes out and gets into my hack. He came out of the Brinsley mansion? Yeah, but he didn't look to me as if he had two dimes to rub together. And when he told me the place where he wanted to the go... The Davis Hotel? That's the joint. Well, when we get there, to my surprise, he hands me five bucks and says, keep the change. Oh. What time did you drop him off at the hotel? Around midnight. That fits Davis's story. Did your passenger have you make any stops between the Brinsley house and the hotel? No, sir. Well, did he talk to you during the ride? Tell you anything about himself? I didn't hear a word from the guy after he told me where to go until he got out. Now, when your fare got out at the Davis Hotel, did you see anyone on the street who might have been watching him, waiting for him to show up? Mm. Yeah, I noticed two guys standing in the doorway across the street. Yeah? Yeah, but I didn't pay them no attention. The only thing on my mind was to get out of that lousy neighborhood where there was no business for cabs. You drove away immediately, huh? Yep. Okay, Pinkus, you can go. Thanks, Captain. I want to get back on my job. So long. So long. How do you like the Duke's connection with Matthew Brinsley, Logan? That's a hot one, isn't it? Brinsley's a multimillionaire. Yeah, now that cab driver says the Duke had dough. Enough to give big tips. You know... Brinsley's been in several jams and his money's got him out of Casey. Yeah, I know. For receiving stolen property. Oh, Casey, a man with his wealth? Oh, he's no fence, Annie. He's a collector of historical antiques. He's a bug on the subject. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to see what Brinsley has to say about this business. Hmm? When? I'd like to go right now. I probably couldn't get into this place at this unholy hour. Let's grab a few hours of sleep. Get out there first thing in the morning. Well, okay, Logan. I'll be with you. <laughs> Quite a joint, this Brinsley Mansion kitchen. Yeah, I'll say. I'll probably interrupt the old guy's breakfast, but here goes his doorbell. Hey, hold it, Logan. Someone's opening the door. Eh? When is it? Good morning. We'd like to see Mr. Brinsley. I'm Brinsley, but I can't talk to anybody now. I'm on my way to the bank. I'm a policeman, Mr. Brinsley. Eh? Here's my shield and identification. I'm Captain Logan of the Homicide Bureau. Homicide? Very well. Come inside. Thanks. Yes, Yes, sir. Tell the chauffeur to wait. I'll be slightly delayed. Uh, yes, Mr. Brinsley. Uh, sit down, Captain, and... Uh... My name is Casey. Uh, what are you gentlemen here for? I haven't committed any homicide. Uh, Mr. Brinsley, you had a visitor last night, a tall, thin, shabbily dressed man who wore a monocle. What about him? I want you to tell me all you know about him. Why? He was murdered after he left your house. No, I haven't seen him, Mrs. Wheelbracker. Huh? 
Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, sure, Mrs. Wheelbreaker. Oh, dear. <laughs> These women. Hmm. Here's your drinks, Casey, Miss Williams. Thanks, Ethelbert. I was hoping you'd show up for you. So it was just a heart attack that killed the old guy, Casey. He wasn't murdered. No, nope. Brinsley's death was a perfectly natural one, Ethelbert. Oh, not altogether, Casey. From what you told me, the shock of hearing about the Duke brought on the attack. Yeah. At first, I figured the Duke sold something to Brinsley. Some antique he'd stolen, maybe. Yes, but Logan hasn't been able to find anything that Brinsley might have bought from the Duke. And as Brinsley wasn't out of his house after the Duke left it last night... There wasn't nothing in that leather bag Brinsley took into his study? No, nothing but some very legitimate bonds. That's what he was taking to the bank, Yeah, huh? apparently. Mm-hmm. The way that old guy hung onto his bag, even after his heart began to kick up. And he insisted on going into his study alone, and he closed the door. He was in there long enough to have taken something out of the bag and hidden it away. Logan searched, you say? Oh, sure, sure. Desk drawers and places like that. He looked for a safe in the room and there wasn't any. Oh, Casey, if he should find something Brinsley bought from the Duke, it still wouldn't solve the Duke's murder. Danny, I've got a hunch it would. Well, now, I don't see how. I think those two well-dressed foreigners who went to the hotel for the Duke were looking for the thing he sold to Brinsley. And I think if they believed that they could still get their mitts on it, they just might... Hey, Annie. What? Logan said he was going to the Brinsley house again. He ought to be there about now. Let's you and me go there and join him. I got the same idea you got, Casey, so my men are giving that study in there a real going over right now. That's swell, Logan. Well, what do you know about that? Isn't often that you two have the same big ideas at the same time? Well, it's merely uh, coincidental. I had a first-class basis for mine, Miss Williams, not one of Casey's hunches. Oh, what do you mean? Well, I've checked with Brinsley's bank, and they told me that two days ago he withdrew $30,000 in cash. Now, they record serial numbers when dough is passed out in chunks like that. Uh, and the $20 bill the Duke gave Davis last night has one of those numbers. Casey. Brinsley must have bought something from the Duke. What could he have paid the Duke $30,000 for? Uh, Captain Logan. Yeah, Sergeant. We found something. Let's see. Come on, Annie. There, Captain. A big leather chair. What? Well, I'll show you. I'm used to trick hiding places, but this is one of the neatest I've run into. Look, when you press these three ornamental nails at the same time... The seat rises. A big cavity underneath. What's that thing in it? It looks to me like one of those gimmicks the King of Spades wears on his head. Casey, it's a crown. It's a gold crown. Yeah, it's not much of a crown. It's gold, but there are no jewels on it. <laughs> I was just saying to myself, Captain, why hide that thing? It ain't worth more than a hundred bucks. It's probably worth a hundred thousand, Sarge. Huh? It's old and antique. Can't you see that? That crown would have fitted nicely in Brinsley's little bag, Logan. He may have thought you knew the Duke had sold it to him, that you'd search for it. So he took it out of the bag... And put it in that trick chair before his heart gave out. I know all that, Casey. But now, how will that thing lead us to the killers? Well, Logan, the good old power of the press can lead them to us. What do you mean? Now, look. The only metal in this chair are the nails and coil springs. And when that crown gets back under the seat, it'll show up nicely in an X-ray picture. X-ray picture? Yeah. That the Morning Express will be carrying in all its editions tomorrow. With a nice story that you'll write, Annie. Well, okay, but what'll I write? An invitation to the death house. Oh, two o'clock in the morning. 
And we've been sitting here in the dark for almost six hours. Well, we couldn't have a more comfortable place to sit in the dark. Old man Brinsley put nice chairs in his house. You know, Casey, I don't think those men will come here. I don't either, Miss Williams. Only chumps would fall for that stuff in the express this morning. Well, aren't murderous chumps? Your come on was too broad, Casey. That x-ray picture showing the crown and that leather chair and Miss Williams' story. That was a darn good story, Logan. Thank you very much. I gave a reasonable explanation for that picture. I explained that the police, in looking for clues, had to take x-ray shots of almost everything in the house. Because Brinsley's executors wouldn't let the police tear things apart or remove anything from the house. You made it sound very logical, Annie. I played up the crown shown inside that chair as a big mystery to the cops. Well, naturally, I didn't say that it was a trick chair that you'd been able to open. And I gave a reasonable explanation for everything else in our come-on, too. For the house being empty of servants tonight, and for... The real come-on outside of that picture was the truth she wrote about the Duke's connection with Brinsley. Duke undoubtedly told his murderers about that connection under torture, Logan. Man's story will clinch it. I hope you're right, but... Quiet. Yeah, I hear. Somebody's moving toward the study. I think someone's taken advantage of that rear window we left open, Logan. We'll soon see. There he is. With a flashlight. He won't be able to see us behind this screen. There's only one guy. Hey, Logan, he's making for that leather chair. He's flashing the feet with a knife, isn't he? Logan, he's got the crown. That's enough. Stick up your hands! What? We've been waiting for you, mister. You're under arrest for murder. Murder? Yeah. Murder of the Duke, known as John Smith. Where's your pal who helped you kill the Duke? I am here. Put up your hands. Huh? Casey. My brother is an expert marksman. You will do as he says. Where is he? I am in the dark, where you cannot see me. Drop your gun. Yes, he's got us, Logan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you are wise. Now. But how silly they were a minute ago. My brother, they thought I had walked into their trap alone. These Americans are very simple people, Dito. I see you have the crown. Yes. At last. Now, our labor is almost done. Why did you guys want that bum hunk of gold so badly? Father, he called it. He do not know what it is. He called this bum hunk of gold. Huh? Well, what is it? We have no time to answer your question or the inclination. Besides, it is foolish to satisfy the curiosity of soon-to-be dead people. Soon to be... I am sorry. If you live, you might cause great trouble. For the good of my country and for my brother and me, you must die. Shoot them, Barbar. Now. Yes, Tito. Now. Sergeant, turn on the light. We got them all right, Captain Logan. Uh, We were dependent on you, Sergeant. But thanks. Thanks just the same. And the next time, Logan, tell your men to crash in just a few seconds earlier. You you had these policemen hidden. Uh Uh-huh. We Americans aren't so simple as you seem to think, mister. I suppose you smart un-Americans tell us why you killed the Duke. We say nothing. We say nothing at all. Yes, you will, brothers. Yes, you will. Get him to talk fast, Captain. We've got to get this story to press. Uh, you get the story, Annie. I'm going to get a couple of shots of these crown chasers and get them to the office. Okay, Casey, I'll meet you there as soon as I can.
The traditional harvest moon is more than a month away, but already throughout America, most of the golden harvest of fruits and vegetables has been garnered, packed away for your use in the months to come. Now, the finest of these food products come to you in clean, sterile, crystal clear glass containers, and for a very good reason. The glass container lets you see exactly what you buy before you buy it, and the glass container protects the natural flesh flavor of its contents. A very large number of these finer products of field and orchard, of range and sea, come to you in crystal clear anchor glass containers sealed with tamper-proof anchor cash. Products of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. Logan made them guys talk, huh, Casey? Sure, Ethelbert. Sure. Oh, it wasn't too hard a job. After Davis positively identified them as the men who came to his hotel for the Duke. Tell me what they said. Well, to begin with, pal, they told us the Duke wasn't really a Duke. Oh, I knew that all along. He was only a count. Huh? He was an honest-to-gosh count, too, Ethelbert. From one of those little European principalities that went out of business after the First World War. Yeah, and the Duke, I mean the count was a relative of the king who'd lost his job. And he was also custodian of the royal crown, Ethelbert. He scrammed the United States with all that dough that he could lay his mitts on and the sacred crown. Only the money gave out after a while and he had only the crown left. So he finally sold the crown to Brinsley. Hmm. But the guys who killed him? They were stubborn royalists, Ethelbert. Fanatics about restoring their king who had to have his traditional crown if... And when he was restored. Hmm. They went after the Duke and finally caught up with him. They forced him to tell what he'd done with the crown. And then they killed him. See, they considered the guy a traitor, Ethelbert, so they gave him the traditional punishment for traitors. Hanging. They even tied a real hangman's knot. That were a legal execution. Well, in their screwy minds, it was a legal execution. Hmm. Some people are certainly funny. Yeah. But as my sister Edna says... Quote, if all folks was like you and me, wouldn't the world be dull? Unquote. And you know Edna. Crime Photographer is directed by John Dietz and stars Scott Cotsworth as Casey. It is written by Alonzo Dean Cole and is based on the fictional character of Casey created by George Harmon Cox. If you're inconvenienced by returning beer and ale bottles, here's good news. Anchor Hawking has pioneered a new kind of bottle, so inexpensive that it requires no deposit. It will shortly be released for civilian use. Watch for it. The more convenient Anchor Glass one-way no-deposit bottle. A product of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. Our cast features Miss Leslie Woods as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert, with Herman Chittison at the Blue Note Piano. The original music is by Archie Blyer. Crime Photographer is brought to you each Thursday at this time by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees. Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass.
Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, uh, the hotel clerk's voice was interesting. It kind of reminded me of... uh, Joe Flynn, uh, best known for uh, McHale's Navy and also did a lot of the, uh, you know, Dean Higgins uh, movies over at uh, Disney. Blue Note Bulletin had an interesting note about Casey's uh, location. Uh, And uh, he says, uh, uh, where does Casey take place? We never really know as Cole blends New York and Boston constantly wasn't a fact I'd picked up, so good to know. It had always seemed to me to be New York. But then again, I've never really lived in any of the huge uh, cities. And certainly not any in the Northeast. Pretty much all I know from uh, about them is what I've heard on the radio and seen in uh, TVs and movies. Well, now we turn to some listener comments and feedback, and I have an email here from Joy. Joy writes, At 17, I'm probably one of your youngest listeners. I've been enthralled with mystery since I could read, and when I stumbled onto an old uh, radio program on public radio, I couldn't have been happier. Uh, Your podcast is my way of relaxing in my spare time. Thank you for providing quality programs. Your background, information, and opinions on the shows are one of my favorite things about your podcast. Well, thank you very much, Joy. Uh, She says, I have two questions regarding the shows on your podcast. Will you consider doing all of the old shows again after you've run out of mysteries? I missed out on all of the shows like Sam Spade and would like to hear your comments on them. Uh, Okay, well, on that question, uh, Joy, uh, we haven't actually gotten to Sam Spade yet. Uh, We will be getting into Sam Spade after we finish Casey. So that's uh, about a year and a half, a little bit less off now. Um, As for those that we played previously, uh, we are going to start to go through them uh, once I run out of... uh, new programs to uh, play on Tuesdays. And I talked about this, you know, a couple years back, but the plan is uh, that we'll uh, start to intermittently begin to use Tuesdays to uh, revisit some of those programs that we have played previously because not everyone uh, caught them at the time. We're probably not going to run through, like, each uh, series um, uh, again in its entirety. What I probably will do with that is I'll probably do, you know, a a block of episodes and kind of rotate which uh, series we've done and then, uh, you know, come uh, and kind of uh, 
go through it like that. Uh, we uh, will probably start doing that within a couple of years. Uh, I think the first time that we'll do it will be um, around the time that uh, we are going to be getting into the uh, Bob Bailey serials because those will be playing on Tuesdays and Fridays. And I, I don't, you know, I don't want to uh, have a situation where uh, it, you know, messes up a, a series or the podcast to keep playing new shows. And then we will be revisiting uh, for the next several seasons. It'll be a while till we're all out of mysteries. Uh, this is the 12th season. And I, I think that we are on most days going to be pretty well set uh, going uh, all the way into uh, season 16. So we've got, we've, we've got a few years yet and even further down the road with uh, Broadway is my beat. Now you can actually listen to old programs that I've done. Uh, you can go over to uh, biglist.greatdetectives.net, see the programs that I've done, see the programs that have yet to be done, and you can uh, listen to the old shows uh, from links that are over there. Uh, she asked, will you consider playing The Shadow? I know that The Shadow is classified by some as whore, uh, and yet it is clearly a crime-busting show to me. Once again, I ask this because I value your commentary. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. The thing with The Shadow is that there have been a couple of companies who've made copyright claims regarding the series. The Shadow, I think, would be a bit of a stretch because I think some episodes of The Shadow, you could really say this is, uh, this is really kind of a horror story, and others you could say it is a crime-busting uh, series. I, I think that there are episodes that could go both ways, but the the big problem uh, with The Shadow is that you do have some companies that claim a copyright, and I it's not the sort of controversy or legal risk that I want to uh, expose the uh, expose the podcast to and you know myself and what we're doing here so for that reason to avoid that sort of risk i would not anticipate doing the shadow but um i do uh, appreciate your question uh, she goes on to say well thank you for taking the time to read and answer my questions i regret that i'm not a in a position to donate but i fully appreciate your podcast well that's quite all right uh, Joy, I appreciate everybody out there who listens to the podcast, and it's always good to hear from uh, listeners who are on the younger side, because I really love uh, being able to pass these on to the next generation so that hopefully these stories will continue to live on. All right, well, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Blaine, Patreon supporter since January 2017, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Well, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for The Fat Man, and we'll be back next Monday, another episode of Casey Crime Photographer. In the meantime, send your comments to Vox13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. 
Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.